time for another episode of The Epic Narrative. Thanks for coming. Here's my dad, Bob Switzer. And here we go. We finally get to the conversation. Remember where we left off? Was awesome, right? God comes to Adam and Eve. Well, I know their name not Adam and Eve, man and woman. Uh, and he shows up in the garden and he announces his presence and he's inviting them back into relationship. That's where he when he asked, right, where are you? It carried with it that that idea of not just location, but he was saying, like, do you understand what you've lost? Do you know where you've fallen? Tell me about your spiritual and emotional and physical place. Uh, these were these were questions of like uh, self-awareness. They weren't questions about shame. They were invitations, really. And this is this is what I think is so key. And I I know I probably emphasized it enough already, but for me it's so key. He was inviting them back into relationship. He was saying, "Hey, do you know where you are? Because you could be where I am." In other words, you you could get a different perspective where you are currently is overwhelming shame, which didn't come from me. I'm I'm right here. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not separated from you because of it. But the opportunity for you is to come here. I'm inviting you back. I'm inviting you to this perspective. That's called repentance. That's called that's called uh, elevating your perspective. Uh, taking God's perspective on what your what your choices are, right? So here, where uh that was verse nine. Where are you? Verse 10, he answers, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So Adam's answer to God's invitation, first of all, no apology, no remorse. No repentance. He chooses, he chooses to fear God, not love and trust him. Now that's that's a that's a, I know that's a heavy response, but but that's literally what's going on here. So many people miss this because they're so ex- <laughs> I want to say they're so excited to have God judge Adam and Eve for their sin. Again, I know I know it's man and woman. Uh they want they want God to judge man and woman for their sin, they, because this is the key to their theology. This is their key to their view of God. We need God to you know, bring, to, bring down the hammer. But they miss the fact that, that God invites Adam and, uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, to step out from behind the tree and into relationship with him. And instead, man chooses to fear God, not to trust his goodness. Now remember, he heard God. He heard God showing up. So he he you know, God didn't surprise him. God didn't come up, you know, pop up out of nowhere. He could have, he didn't. So Adam not only heard God, he knew who God was. He knew it was God. He's like, "I heard you in the garden. I knew I knew it was you." I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't some other animal. I knew it wasn't trees. I knew it wasn't whatever, a bird flying. I knew it was you. Now, what I want to know is I don't have to know, but this is one of my questions, right? How long? I know I'm so time-oriented. <laughs> How long did Adam wait? How long did he run? before he answered the question. Like, I know God asked that question. I, I, it doesn't say he only asked it once. Did God just, you know, step through and ask her, hey, hey, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Where are you? And Adam's in a panic because he's choosing fear over love. He's he's choosing rejection instead of invitation. So I I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just one of my little little side trails I go through when I when I read these these verses. He says I was afraid, right? He he's choosing fear. 
I was naked. I hid. Now remember, fear is a new thing for, for men and women. And I'm sure it is. I mean, it, it had to be a terrible, traumatic experience. Now, you, you and I probably have experienced fear at all kinds of levels in our life. And it probably started when we were too young to even be able to articulate what it was we were afraid of. We just knew something scared us. I mean, I, I, have, I have nine grandchildren currently at the, at, at the time of this recording. And in various ways, I, I know they, I know we, we love on them. They love on us. We have a great time. But, you know, sometimes, good grief, I'll sneeze. And trust me, I have like a, a, a super sonic. I, I, I do not sneeze softly. I try, but then, you know, my, my eyeball pops out of my head. And I have to pick it up. So I, <laughs> I exaggerate. It's loud. So sometimes, you know, we're just all watching uh, whatever, Disney something, and I sneeze, you know, and a child will be like, <gasps> and they're scared, and they, like, immediately, like, cr crawl into their mom or cuddle in and be like, oh, my gosh, like, they call me Bob Bob. You know, scared me. And I didn't mean to scare her, but it, it happens. Or sometimes, you know, you just say hello really, you know, really loud and exuberantly, and they kind of freak out and, and whatever, because they just woke up from the car seat, and you're like, hey, it's so good to see you, and they're like, Wah. so I get it, at some, in some way, we've all experienced fear in our life, Adam and Eve, man and woman, had never experienced fear, never, so fear is a new thing, it was, it was, had, like I said, a terrible experience, even, even a fear of God, even that, quote, reverential fear of God, they never experienced that. They, they were so in tune with the truth and light of their identity coming from the beginning. They didn't, they didn't have that. The fear was just, it had, it had to be crazy. So he says, I was afraid. Then he says, I was naked. Which again is a new thing, and it's more than just the idea that they didn't have clothes, right? It nakedness carries with it this idea of being helpless, exposed. Uh, you, you, when you're naked, you have no like resources, right? You can't check your pockets for for something, just in case you might need it. Like you're naked, you you got nothing to draw from. That had to be another brand new experience for them. Completely unnerving, unsettling, weird. What do you do with that? I've got no resources. I was afraid. I was naked. I mean, the confusion that, that those two things alone had to cause. And he said, and then I hid. What is that, you know, what 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 are the implications there? Well, obviously to hide, you you withdraw, right? You get away from anything that might cause more exposure, more uh, fear. You hide. And 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 when you hide, when you're hiding from something, you're 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 being forced to do that. There's a force around you. That's causing you to go into a place of hiding. Now, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, I guess at the lowest level, it's a game you play. And the game is to hide. So you play the game and you hide. But sometimes it's, it's evil, right? It's, it's bad, bad men, bad people. And you hide. You're looking for a place to withdraw to be no longer exposed, to no longer be afraid, or at the very least to hold fear at bay from growing anymore within you until whatever it is that's looking for you or whatever game is going on dissipates and you can walk out with some sense or lesser sense of fear. And sometimes the game's over, so there's no fear left, but sometimes it's just, okay, the you know, the people have passed me by, but now I I need to like I need to make sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> I just thought, 
or you pass by a cop, you know, and you're speeding and it's like, <gasps> you have like this wicked fear in the, in your gut. Like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Is he, is he going to pull out? Are they going to pull out? Are they going to pull out? And then they don't. And you feel some sense of relief, but then you also think I, I better, I better slow down. I, <laughs> I better straighten out. I do not like that fear. I don't like that kind of feeling. Well, Man and woman are experiencing this right now. And and this is what he's explaining to God. I heard you in the garden. I, I know who you are. <laughs> I know your love. I know you're good. I know your light. But I was afraid because I was exposed. I was without resources. I had no, no uh, solid place in which I felt connected because my connection to you has disappeared. And that's where I am. I don't feel connected to my creator. I don't feel connected to the truth of who I am. My identity is gone. My purpose is, is in turmoil. My life is, is gone crazy. And somewhere in all of that, God is still like, hey, just like uh, repent. Like just come join me. Not not beat yourself up. Just Just like walk out. Take my hand. Let's go for a walk. Let's restore everything. And because God is who he is and he's so good and he's not going to force people into, into subservient lifestyle, into some sort of, you know, uh, long-term obedience, he asks another question. Well, who told you that you were naked? Well, that's fabulous. Who told you that you were helpless? Who told you that you were without any resources? Who told you you were exposed? Well, this is this is really important because again, we get to see a picture of God in all of this. He's God is exposing himself in the type of character he has. He's not he's not demanding answers to questions that he doesn't know the answer for. Like clearly God knows the answer the answers to these questions, which is usually the case whenever God asks you a question, he is not looking for information. He's wondering, have you asked yourself these questions? Do you do you know because because God knows you need to know the results of your choices. You need to know where you are, Adam. You need to know why it is that you feel afraid, what causes you to, to feel exposed and without resources. And the implication in the question is you do have resources. You've got me. The implication is you're not exposed. I, I can cover you. It's it's a beautiful exchange here going on in the, in the in the garden. And and man and woman are hiding in the trees somewhere. They I, I have a feeling woman is looking at, at man and he's answering the questions and she's just like wide-eyed, scared to death, maybe curled up in his arms. And they they've have to know at some level that God also knows where they are. But they're not doing any of the work necessary to figure it out themselves. They're not doing the internal self-discipline of answering these questions. So when God asks them, who told you you were helpless without resources and exposed? This, he wants Adam to know that this fear and helplessness does not come from God. This, this is so important. He's like, this is this isn't from me. Do you know who like who told you this? Who told you to live like this? Who told you to run and hide? Who told you that that it, that that you know that you have nowhere to go? It wasn't me. So who is it? Adam, who caused this problem? Not Adam, sorry. Man, who caused this problem? Where is this coming from? This is so important. 
Because as we process the, the decisions we make, so many times God asks us questions and we put a, put you know a tone of voice on it that sounds like he's upset, like he's an angry earthly father. And I think a lot of earthly fathers, a lot of preachers, a lot of a lot of people in leadership, whether they be Christian or not, carry with it this the these thoughts of judgment, this idea that fear is a good thing, being afraid, even if it's quote reverential fear is a good thing. I, I mean I've I I I I don't even have to think hard to know of, of people that run their families like this, to know of people that run their churches like this. And and if you if you mention it to them, like, hey, you know, people are kind of afraid of you. They say things like, well, good. I'd rather them be afraid of me and do what I ask them to do than think I'm their best friend and not do what I ask them to do. If you if you're in a you know a ministry like that if you're in a church like that man I mm, you've got a you've got a tough environment to live in without a doubt I don't I don't, again back to time I don't I don't know how long it was I don't think God's asking these questions like boom 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 I don't I don't think he's doing rapid fire like intimidating uh, man and woman. I think he's he's laying back. I think he's asking the questions fairly. I think he's asking them gently. I think he's giving space. I'll tell you, you know, th- there's a lot of times when I'm in what would probably be considered counseling situations. I I you know kind of I do know what what is meant by the word counseling. I I hold that word cautiously use that word cautiously because i also know that there are professional counselors that are paid and educated and and i'm not one of those so when people ask you know can i come to you for counseling i usually say listen i i uh i call myself a relational strategist <laughs> i just i just try to help people communicate better and build relationship better these are things that are intuitive to me things i've done throughout my life i know principles that have worked and I help them grab those principles. They are not the only principles on the planet. And there are lots of principles at work, but, you know, whatever. We can we can work through a few and maybe develop some patterns, new patterns for you to practice and hopefully help you break out. But I, I, I use the word counseling cautiously. But there are times where I ask questions in, a, in that sort of environment and then I just sit. And I wait, and I'll tell you, those moments, I mean, I'm used to them because I, I've i done this thousands of times. But there are people who do not know what to do in the silence. They, they, they are panicked. And I can see it. It's, they're panicked on the inside because the question is, you know, has been asked. And I don't want to make them feel panicked. I just know what it means is they haven't ever done uh, internal work, or not ever is probably a big word, but they haven't, they, <laughs> usually what it is is they've done enough internal work to know that they have, they bear some responsibility for the choices they made and they don't want to take those responsibilities. So the question that is laid out in front of them puts them in a place where they are very similar to the place that man is right here, man and woman is. They're like, oh crap, what are we gonna do? And I think God pauses just because I think it's something I would do. Now, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know I wasn't there. And if you're telling yourself this story in your head and you don't think he did, that's fine. I'm not gonna argue with you either. But I think he pauses. I think he says, so who... Who told you you were naked? And he just waited. Now, I'm not going to wait on the podcast because that just, <laughs> that's just annoying, right? When there's all this, all this long silences on your podcast. Uh, unless you listen to me at one and a half or double speed, which a lot of people do. I know. Uh, I've mentioned that before. I'm kind of a slow talker, I guess. And when I'm live and in person, I can be very, I guess, uh, distracting from the fact that I don't talk really fast. But 
I think God paused. I think that there was some, some, well, there's a lot of power in that pause because I believe man and woman are, are understanding that they bear responsibility for the decision that they've made. They bear that responsibility. And for the first time in their could be thousand year history or more, they have, they have decisions to make. Am I going to take this responsibility? What am I going to do with this responsibility? What am I going to do with this fear? Am I going to come out from behind the tree and, and even if it's lame, apologize to God and, and figure this out with him? Am I going to trust his goodness? Am I going to trust his love? Am I going to go back to my original identity or is this my fate? Like, is this my life now? And I believe shame has a lot of lies that come with it. And that's what Adam, Adam and Eve, man and woman, are wrestling with right here. There's a new identity that's being offered to them, and they, at some level, are feeling forced to take on that new identity built around shame and guilt, and God is offering them a return to their original identity filled with love and truth and light and connection to their creator. And then God asks, have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Hmm. And that's, that's a question of responsibility. And I think God was trying to get them there on their own. And I think they were avoiding the answering the question. I think they were hanging out behind the tree going, uh, 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 I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So he's like, well, did you eat from the tree? Did you make that choice? Will you take responsibility for that choice? Because if you can take responsibility, then we can we can get to that place of repentance and we can restore relationship. But if you don't take responsibility, then we're just going to be, you know, treading water here for a long time. And you're going to be constantly more, you know, constantly more and more. That's that's very consistently the same word over and over again. Thank you so much. You will be treading water because you're going you're going to be in that in-between place of identity. You're going to you're going to miss your purpose. You're going to start to be distracted or or you'll start to distract yourself with physical activity rather than spiritual evaluation and i've seen that done oh way more than you can imagine right people have a tough time in their marriage and instead of working on their marriage they go on vacation let's take the kids to the beach why because then we can avoid everything you know it, sometimes it happens even in dating right? people will date for whatever i don't know a month or or year but their dates in are mostly things that don't involve conversation. They go to a movie, you know, they go out to eat, but really the conversation is about food and and whether or not they like the food and do they take pictures of their food and post it. But they don't really work on the relationship. So by the time they're married, they're still not working on the relationship. And now it's just like, all right, let's distract ourselves with TV shows we like, movies that we like, going out to eat, Having children, because that's a distraction. Holy cow. So Adam, Adam and Eve, man and woman, are st sitting there, and God, God says, all right, will you take responsibility then for the choice that you made? Because I want to know, do you know how far you've fallen? Do you know? Do you know? Are you gaining an understanding of how it feels to be disconnected from my goodness and from my love. Because that's what you're that's what I'm asking you. Did you take from the tree that I told you not to take from? Did you make that choice? Because I told you you would surely die. And by death, I mean this this you would feel separated from me. Remember, this is not this is not a truth that God is separated from them. The truth is God is standing there talking to them. He is not separated from his creation. 
But he said, you feel that way. Will you take responsibility for what your choice has caused? Because this is how it feels to be disconnected from your identity, from your place of love and goodness. And will you come back? Will you come back? Will you say, yes, we ate from the tree, and man, did we screw up. And we literally are hiding behind a tree because we feel exposed. We feel naked. We, we we don't have any, we, we, we have no resources. Like we literally don't even know what to say. We don't even know where to go. We don't know. We, we don't, we just don't know nothing. We are so overwhelmed with the, with the results of our choice that we don't know what to do. We're so lost. I mean, every parent, every parent, like when they, they, they've seen children in these, in these roles where their child has done something, it doesn't have to be this dramatic, but they've done something and they're completely disoriented and and they, uh, you know, maybe they're they're lost in a crowd or whatever and they turn and they see their mom or their dad and like that that sense of relief and uh, from that bewilderment and fear comes, uh, you know, starts to melt away and they run to their parent and they just hug them. It's like, yes, I found, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. And that's usually what the parent does, right? We hug our children and we're like, you're okay. You're okay. We love you. It's okay. I know it was scary. I know you you got lost, but I, you know, maybe in that case, I knew where you were the whole time. But I also, you know, I realized somewhere in there that you didn't, you didn't know where I was. I'm really sorry. You know, stay close, stay close. Let's work this out. That's what, that's what God's doing here. He's like, Hey, listen, I, do you understand how far you've gone? Do you understand how lost you are? Because this is how it feels when you disconnect from me. This is what I told you would happen if you ate from the tree that I told you not to eat from. This is what's going to happen. God is still standing near Adam, near man and woman. He's not afraid of who they are or what they, where they've fallen. He's not unable to connect to them. He's not unable to communicate with them. He's, he's not pouring on more shame and guilt. He's not like, you know, burying them and making them feel even worse. He's not angry. He's not making any threats. I mean, come on. So many people either ignore this or don't want to, to pay attention to this because they really want God. They, they want God to act like them. And when they are offended, when they have people that have turned their back on them. They want to come after them harsh. They want to come after them with guilt and manipulation and 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 they want to force them into a behavioral uh, shift. And God does not do that here. And I, I, I know, I know my engineer's like, I think you made that point, Bob. I know I probably have made that point way too much. No, actually I don't. I don't think I've made it too much, but I probably made it enough for now. So let's go on <laughs> to the next verse. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And I know if you saw me like this is just, you just want to hang your head because if you understand what I've, anything that I've said in the last, like, whatever, 10 minutes. Like, God is not trying to destroy this relationship. He's trying to invite it back into its true identity. He's trying to bring it back into alliance with, with love and goodness and light. He's trying to, he's trying to get Adam, Adam and Eve, man and woman, to move the dial back into the true frequency of creation. That's what he's trying to do. Basically, he's trying to get them to realign with the truth. Right? Truth is <laughs> truth is part of creation because it came it the words that came out of the beginning are true. It's part of the character of God. Which I believe is one of the reasons why truth eventually always comes out because it is a force of nature and nature cannot be stopped. Light cannot be stopped. Love cannot be stopped. But Adam deflects responsibility to the woman. 
And really, I think he's also uh, deflecting to God, right? He's like, she brought it up. Like she was, she's the one who talked to the serpent. She brought up the conversation. She's the one who presented me with the idea. And again, we don't know how long that was between the conversation and, and Adam, Adam and Eve going to the tree, but they were clearly there together when they ate because the language of the, of the verse makes it pretty clear that it was like, boom, boom. Like we, this was like a simultaneous activity. And the fact that, that later in the New Testament, Adam is given credit for the decision he made is not a cut on, on Eve. It's basically Adam is taking, Adam like considered it. And he made even a, even a more conscious decision to participate in what was going on. But here he, he, you know, deflects. The woman you put here, he's thinking she brought it up, she picked it up, it's, she's responsible. And by the way, God, you're the one who put it here. So actually you're responsible. So he, <laughs> you could, you could picture him being like, uh, you know, he's, he, he's wrapped up with, with the woman they're hiding behind a, a big old tree maybe it's like a redwood thing like just a huge tree right they're just standing there dwarfed by creation where a uh, creation that they used to mm, have bowed to them they now feel so small and insignificant and they're desperately trying to have creation encompass them and hide them and he's holding her and i you know he's he's answering god's questions internally and he doesn't like the yeah sorry that was a dramatic pause he's answering god's questions internally and he doesn't like the answers like the self-evaluation is like wait a minute i'm responsible for this wait a minute this is on me wait that can't be true and instead of answering you know internally saying wow i have all this responsibility i better go to god and make things right because he's standing right here and he clearly wants to communicate with me. Instead, he's like, this can't be me. This can't be me. And in a panic, another feeling he's not ever had before in the whatever thousands of years or 24 hours that he's been alive, depending on your interpretation of, of how these verses are written, he turns to Eve, and I, I think he looks at her, and again, he's panicked. Uh, you can picture that in his eyes. She looks at him and she sees in him for the first time the idea that he's not connecting to her, that he's literally going to, this is, this is, uh, I wish this was a movie. <laughs> well, it is in my head. Like, I can't describe to you how directors can get actors and actresses to make these kind of faces, but I picture that face of, of I'm about to reject the one I love. I'm about to throw the one I love out. Uh, I guess technically, like we would call it under the bus. I'm a, I'm a, like maybe I can fix things with, with the woman later, but currently I need to get out of a bigger jam and I think I can dump this ugly, horrible feeling of responsibility and shame and guilt, all of which I'm figuring out is actually my responsibility for bringing on myself that God didn't bring this with him. I brought this on me. This is all part of death and deception that this serpent cunningly dragged us all into. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to put it on her. And so he looks at her. She looks at him and she starts to fear him for the first time. She sees something in his eyes that she's never seen before. And he goes, yeah, that woman that you put in the garden she gave me some of the fruit, fruit from the tree, and yes, I ate it. So the both of you made me do it. I really had no choice. I didn't have anywhere else to turn. I had no one else to talk to, which isn't true. But that's not unusual, right? When, when you're trying to dodge responsibility, you always throw in lies because it just makes you seem more believable. I had nowhere else to go. I had no one else to talk to. 
So yeah, you're you this is your fault and her fault. Wow. I I mean that oh woman. The 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 like the emotional upheaval that she had to go through when the only love of her life this this being that she was created from that she never felt separation from even even in being separated from god she she wasn't she didn't feel separation from adam from from man they were in this together they ate together they just dis, they decided together like there was so much unity up until this moment for the first time the first couple of the universe felt a death it it had to be so again more more tragic and the lord said to the woman and again i think that there was probably a pretty big pause there cuz god knew oh man like oh wow what you have just done to her god god again, god doesn't mind like doesn't mind God, like having stuff blamed on him was not, you know, like love and goodness. It, it's not overwhelmed by that. Like it doesn't get offended by that. If somebody I love, somebody I have a great relationship with decides to throw me under the bus, I'm not offended by that. I, I might want to have a conversation with them, which I think is what God's doing here. I might want to understand if, if they understand what they've done, but we can we can make things right i just think i think god was like oh wow 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 and i basically think that because i've thought that several times and again in these kind of counseling situations i'm in where something gets said uh, and i think oh man oh man oh man oh man oh man like oh man i remember i sorry i'm not going to tell you all those stories but the two main ones i think of were both done they were marriages that that weren't doing well and the man even after all kinds of like usually over two hours of conversation where i'm thinking we're making headway right and the man will just say something in both cases i think to try and prove a point that he's not responsible for 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 where the marriage has ended up right they're still deflecting and i and and i just want to i sometimes i wanted to like go over jump over the table and slap them. Like, do you have any idea what you've just done? Like we were making progress and then you, this is the final question you want answered. <coughs> uh, anyways, that kind of, that kind of uh, response seems like something I would do. I don't know if God did, but I just, I, that's what I see when, when I see this deflection that it's her and, and I can't, I, I kind of picture them like her kind of pushing away from Adam, like unwrapping herself from his, his arms and looking at him like, like, wow, wow, I don't even know what to do right now. So that's why I think that there was a pause in time. And I think then God said, hey, so what is this that you have done? And of course, now she's in a panic. She feels nude, naked, unprotected by her husband, unprotected by nature, unprotected by by uh, the light that used to glow from her, the way that she would reflect the sun and, and move uh, in and out of creation. She can't really hear the words of creation anymore. She, she, she thinks God is, you know, on the other side of the tree. She believes the lie of shame and guilt that God doesn't want to talk to her, that God, that she has to do something in order to get right with him. And in that moment, she decides it wasn't just me. It was that serpent. And this is, this is woman's opportunity to repent. This is woman's opportunity to now, especially now that she feels separated from Adam and, and quote his leadership of the relationship. She, she, she could have stepped out from the tree and said, God, I, I'm lost. I am so lost right now. And I believe God would have just wrapped her up in his arms and said, I get it, sweetheart. Let's talk. And maybe through her repentance, Adam would have come out from, from around the tree and said, 
God, you know, in tears, like, God, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I, I destroyed everything. And God would have said, absolutely, you come here too. Like this was another moment, another choice, another opportunity for unity and identity to once again be restored. So she, so he says to the woman, what have you done? And the woman says, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. Wow. <laughs> God saying, you know, <laughs> what have you done? Like, will you will you repent? Will you trust me? Will you come to me? And she says, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that we are separated. It's that serpent's fault. He deceived me. That word, you know, beguiled me, seduced me, deluded me utterly and completely destroyed my ability to make a good decision. So really, there's no way that it's my fault that I ate it. Wow. So both of them, in their own way, make God responsible for evil. <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> the first time in the history of the universe where God's responsible for evil and that lie has permeated so many people's lives. Well, why doesn't God just stop it? If God's so big and powerful, why don't he just stop evil? Why does he make, why does he let evil go? We're responsible. That's yes. I said that. The evil in this world is our fault because we have separated ourselves from the identity of creation. That's really heavy, Bob. I don't think you wanted to go there. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how else to make the point. It's a heavy point. If creation, and we'll just stick with humans, if humans understood that their identity comes from a place of truth, and light, and and a frequency of heaven that is love, evil on this planet would disappear. The fact that we don't know our identity or don't go back to that part of it, we go back to this part, we go back to sinners. We go back to people who get seduced and beguiled and, and deluded and deceived. And we say, well, I can't help it. I, I can't help it. It's And it's not my fault. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. And then there's, you know, then it's, it's like I'll throw my hands up and just be like, oh, okay, well, someday I'll go to heaven and then I'll finally get it right. No, you can, you can get it right, right now. You can start connecting to the frequency of heaven right now. You can start looking at yourself from the place that you actually came from, which is the beginning, which is from a, a creator who's not afraid of you, who's not separated from you, who's asking you the questions, are you going to do the work necessary to repent? Are you going to come back into the right relation with me. I'm right here. This is not, I'm not making this hard. Just step out from behind the tree. All the work's done. Everything's done. There's nothing you have to do to make, to, to make this right. And that's where we're going to leave the man and woman right now. The choice was theirs. They both made the choice to put God as the one who's responsible for their choices and for the evil in in the world at this point. All right? I know it's a heavy that's a heavy heavy place to leave. Uh, but that's where we're leaving and I'll see you again uh, on the next epic narrative. Don't leave just yet. We've got Bob thoughts. <laughs> hey. 
Welcome back, everyone. These are some thoughts. Bob has some thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. That last point caught me again. I'll tell you, when I when I was listening to it, it was like, wow, this is the first time God got pl- blamed for something that he did not create. And we've been over that before. We, we went over it in episode one when we talked about light and darkness, and we talked about the fact that darkness came from the light, and darkness wasn't evil. It was It was mystery. And the whole concept of mystery was that you bring light into the mystery and you reveal things and you have revelation and excitement and and new wisdom and new depths of understanding. And this is all that God created. That comes out of the light and life and beauty of the beginning. And somewhere in there, it got switched over to darkness is evil and God created it. And uh, wow. We couldn't, we couldn't be further from the truth, just couldn't be further from the truth. And I, I listened to this episode, and at the end of it, I was like, wow, 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 wow. I, I, that is, I don't know. To me, that's a big point. That's a big point. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'd like to know some thoughts on that, too. Of course, always feel free to reach out to me. The other thing I wanted to touch on was, again, that, that power-dominant um, structure that so many churches have uh, in ministries and schools and and that sort of thing, where where early in the episode we talked about, uh, maybe it wasn't early, might have been halfway through, it's hard for me to remember, but the whole questioning of God is so many times presented like he was there to intimidate, like he shows up on the scene and he just starts firing questions at Adam, you know, where are you, uh, who told you you were naked, um, uh, I'm calling uh, Absolute blank, right? Gee, many crickets, Bob. It's like you you did the episode. Do you think you can remember the questions? Then, of course, Adam's blaming Eve, and and Jesus, uh, God goes after after Eve, and we look at it like he's going after them, like he's he's asking these these ridiculous questions that he clearly knows the answer to because he wants to intimidate and embarrass and shame and guilt Adam and Eve even more into what they've uh, you know the sin that they've entered into. And I just think, obviously, if you listen to the episode, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what he was trying to do. I think, I think he probably asked these questions multiple times. I think this conversation lasted for hours. And yet, in the end, they still, they still chose, right? They still had a choice. Are we going to enter into the conversation? Are we going to enter into relationship again? Or are we going to beat ourselves up because of the choices we made? And so many times that's a choice that people make. They make the choice to continue to separate because they don't feel worthy of the connection anymore. They don't feel worthy of the relationship. And they, they, they believe that the questions that they were asked were meant to just heap guilt and shame on them. When, of course, God doesn't have guilt or shame to give. So... Many, because of that mindset, that's what I want to get to. Eventually I get around to it, right? Because of that mindset, I think a lot of preachers and ministry leaders have set up a paradigm where they govern in the same way. Yeah, they, they run up against a issue, a behavioral issue, which all that's all the eating of the, of the fruit was, right? It, it, it was disobedience. And in that, in that choice that they made, Many, uh, many people, sorry, I had a long break there because <laughs> I was going to repeat everything again. Many people have set up a paradigm where it's like, okay, if somebody makes a bad choice, I need to intimidate them because that's what God did. And they believe that their behavior is justified because God did it. Of course, even more so throughout the Old Testament, right? God God destroys people. God wipes people out. God creates genocide. God, you know, does infanticide. God God, uh, you know, sends famine. God sends sickness. God sends disease. In the New Testament, they get a little tripped up because they're like, well, uh, mm, Jesus doesn't do any of that, but, well, oh, he gets really mad at the temple and beats on people. Oh, so we're good. We can we can intimidate. We can belittle. We can shame. We can guilt. And then in some bizarre pattern, they use this whole deal with to say, well, Eve was the weaker vessel, and then we'll just make women always have to be subservient to men because, well, it's obvious why. He, you know, the devil would have never went after Adam first. He went after Eve, and then, 
in some ways they almost they almost excuse Adam because it's like, well, he probably was really in love. I mean, it wasn't like there were other women involved uh, available for him. I mean, what was he going to do? And it's just mind-boggling stupidity on my part, uh, in my opinion. It's they're so desperate to hang on to power that they will they will uh, they will twist the the clear translation of the character of God into something that fits their character so that they can be right and again hoard that over the people that are under them. And I go into this uh well if you want to listen about the Jesus thing, there's a bonus episode in season one where I break down Jesus in the temple. Um and if and if you know if you want to Go into uh, what well, we do go into it more throughout the book of Genesis because, of course, you've got the flood and you've got uh, Abraham and you've got Jacob and Esau and you've got Joseph, and there's all kinds of opportunities where people have constantly gone after God and said, I'm going to behave just like he did because he behaved badly. I can behave badly because we're all in this together and I'm right and they're wrong, and, I, and that justifies all the nastiness in my, in my character. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. And it's just a power grab. It's an ego boost. And we set up the whole paradigm of the church, right, to stare at somebody in the front and say, they must know better than I do. I will listen to them. And if I show up long enough and listen hard enough, eventually I'll have everything I need to behave and to be like Jesus. And that's not true. It's not true, and uh, I think a lot of pastors would probably have trouble with that because they'd be like, "No, but what am what what use am I? What am I like? Dog poop? I'm not worthy of being paid all this money if if people can follow Jesus without my leadership." Okay, enough about that. Go to my Bob Thoughts page if you want to see more on that. I got a bunch of stuff on how I think church culture should shift or change. Uh, and you can let me know your thoughts on it as well. I hope you guys are having a great day. I uh, look forward to next week's episode, and I'll see you again soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.